This is episode 103 of the Man Bits podcast, straight up chat with my guest Julian Hayes II. Hey good friends, how are you? I hope everybody is feeling just amazing. Today's guest is Julian Hayes II and I was so impressed with Julian when he approached me to come on the show because usually people go on my website themanbits.com forward slash apply and fill out a form to come on. But Julian did it differently. He sent me a personalized YouTube video message. He listened to the show. He did some research, watched my salsa moves, and I was really engaged by his approach and his video. So did not hesitate to bring him on the show. Also, he's got so much value to add, and I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you guys. Let me tell you a little bit about Julian. Julian's a human performance and health optimization coach. He's an author and a writer for some of the world's largest publications. He provides tools to help high-performing executives, entrepreneurs, optimizing their mind, body, performance, without any of that guesswork. Also, and what I was really interested in is that he's especially skilled in the area of sleep advice and how to get the most healthy, optimized sleep. Sleep isn't always about the quantity of sleep, it's the quality of sleep, and we dig into that a little bit today. A quick quote from Julian's website, theartoffitnessandlife.com. I want to have everything in life. I believe there's nothing I can't have. I am limitless. You too can have everything in life. There's nothing you can't have. You are limitless. You can have it all. You can do what others deem as the impossible. You can be mentally, emotionally and physically superior to the typical human being existing in the world today. I love that quote. Thanks, Julian. And let's jump into the interview right now. Julian, what's your passion or purpose? How do you do what you love and love what you do? How do I love and do what I do? Well, that's just through writing and that is through podcasting and having conversations and being sharing value with the world. And then it's also through probably my favorite, which is just one-on-one consulting and coaching. Oh, excellent. Okay, so what would you say is your main area of work? What is it you do exactly? Yeah, so it's 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 revolves around a specific objective of helping uh, the entrepreneur, the busy the busy guy or girl that's trying to move at a faster pace in life to create more energy with predictability, and we do those methods through automating their health. Okay, okay, and I'm, I'm going to get into that because in a minute because uh, I want to sort of dig into how you create sort of structures and systems and goals around health and sleep specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you're so high performance health and sleep is your sort of area of expertise. So, what was it that, you, that got you into that? Uh, it was a little bit of boredom. <laughs> yeah. First of all, yeah. So, I'm very interested about sleep because. It's one of the areas, it's probably the least known area of health and, and wellness in, in terms of what, what exactly we know that's going on. And so we're just recently finding out about so many things and we're finding out just how connected and, and how intricate it is in every phase of our life. And so I, I just found that very interesting. And personally, and just through like family, I saw the effects of what sleep can do and how it can help change your body, how it can make you think clearer and just perform better. And I think there's a need for it because we always talk about when it comes to being healthier, getting more activity and getting more activity in. So it's always doing, doing, doing. But 
What's also important is to have the rest and recovery, which comes from the sleep, because it's an equation that goes together. Is there a rule of thumb on the amount of sleep someone should have? Because, you know, as you, you, I mean, you're a business person, and I think if you look around, most people would say, oh, you know, I, I get eight, eight hours a night or whatever. But the reality is they probably don't get any that amount of good sleep. They don't get eight hours of good quality deep sleep. So what's a good amount? Yes, it's, you know, so that's the, the cool thing about sleep and maybe frustrating to some is that there's not one good answer that serves everyone. There's a lot of factors that goes into it. You know, you mentioned quality, which is very important. So a lot of times we focus just on the quantity of the sleep, just eight hours of sleep. But how's the quality of that? Because sleeping from 2 a.m. until 10 a.m. is a lot different than sleeping from 10 p.m. until 6 a.m. That's a whole different ballgame there. So you have to think about that. But then you also have to factor in things such as kind of your genetics and kind of on a, on a more practical level, thinking, just noticing how your body's feeling and how you're responding and kind of looking at a lot of health biomarkers. But if I had to give an answer to pick a number, I would say seven and a half hours. Very specific. Yeah. And I, I picked seven and a half because I like to think of sleep in 90 minute cycles. So the average sleep cycle from the light sleep to a REM sleep is a average 90 minutes. So we're going to have 90 minutes, then we're going to have three hours, four and a half, six hours, and seven and a half hours. And in a perfect world, what will happen then is that you wake up ready to go. You wake up right after you finish that deep stage of sleep. So you're not going to have that grogginess that a lot of times people have when they first wake up in the morning. Because when you wake up first thing in the morning and you feel a little groggy, oftentimes, especially with the alarm clock, it's because you probably got woken up in the middle of a sleep cycle. I see. So you finished a nice deep sleep and where there's not many dreams happening, it's just deep sleep. And then you've just started a new cycle of sleep, a new 90 minutes, which is where the alarm hits and you awaken and you're a bit pissed off right. because you've kind of <laughs> been disturbed during that time, right? <laughs> I wonder how that works for babies because we've got a, a six-week-old uh, newborn daughter at the moment. So her sleep cycles are roughly three hours. Sometimes she'll sleep during the night, sleep for about three hours and she'll wake up literally. It's probably food, which is her her indicator in that respect but do you think that they babies have the same kind of cycle uh i know babies have to sleep a lot more off the top of my head i think i read that i think i think it's around 18 hours of sleep that they get over a 24-hour cycle i know that she, yeah she'll sleep every couple of hours and uh so probably eight feeds a day if that makes sense so if you if you each time they feed they go to sleep so you have eight to twelve feeds a day yeah, 18 hours works about right. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, now, off ch that was a tangent because I'm, I'm dying to find out how I can sleep better with a newborn, but we'll find out more about that later. <laughs> so, Julian, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. So that is the southern United States. And Nashville is very popular now, but when I was growing up, it was not very popular. So oftentimes, if you said Nashville, Tennessee, you were probably talking about country music. And that's it. Nothing else. But now it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty hip city, apparently. So what was life like growing up in Nashville? As a little boy and an, even a teenager, I was a, I was a pretty big nerd. Before it was cool. 
before all the Marvel movies, before everyone was walking around with Thor shirts and Iron Man, it was it was me with comic books playing a lot of video games. And it wasn't cool, but uh, I enjoyed it. So I, I played a lot of video games, read comics. Um, I was a big dreamer always. My, my favorite toy was a globe. And I was just familiar with, I was just astonished with like how big and how many countries and stuff there were. And I played basketball. And so that was the saving grace in terms of probably keeping me relatively healthy because my diet was not good at all. I ate fast food predominantly, but luckily, you know, as a teenager and if you're pretty active, you can kind of keep the weight off. Yeah, it's easy to get away with it. I mean, it's interesting when you talk, when we talk about metabolism in, in the body that's, I mean, I'm over 40 now, but I can still maintain a relatively good weight and that's because I've got the high metabolism but it doesn't mean I'm necessarily healthy just because I'm not overweight you know so I can kind of get away with doing less which is a which is a real excuse sometimes so I don't really need to work out as much because I don't need to lose weight so how would somebody who uh, you know wants to give the best focus on their health get started with actually creating a bit of consistency with it because that's i think what people struggle with the most when it comes to health i think it starts with your mindset and kind of learning about yourself and kind of how you operate and what i mean by that is it's oftentimes when we think about starting a nutrition plan or starting an exercise plan we just jump into the plan or pick this plan because maybe we saw somebody else do it or maybe it's the popular thing to do but does it actually fit your own psychology? Does it fit your bio-individuality in terms of things like your body type, kind of how your metabolism is, kind of a little bit how your genetics is? I know that's a lot of details, but it's important to really look into some of these details before just jumping into a plan because what you're looking for is to find something that's going to be sustainable in the long run. You said energy earlier. That was interesting. So you say, I think in your bio, you said that it's one of the most valuable currencies that we have. So can you explain a bit about your definition of the term energy? What does it mean to you in this context? Yeah. So energy is, I, it's it's like a life force. It's 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 not just um, something that you get from food or something that you get from exercise. But it's there's a mental energy. There's an emotional energy. There's a spiritual energy. And a lot of times when we feel fatigued, it's not even necessarily related to us exercising enough or eating the right foods. It can be there's a lot of drainers in our life right now that's mm -hmm. causing that energy away. And then that energy that's being drained away mentally, then it's going to lead to maybe making less than ideal choices with our nutrition because of all because of not adhering to maybe our, our mental world enough. And so that's with my thing with energy. And I look at the big picture of energy and we hear that time is our most valuable currency and, you know, maximize your time. But I think about this, if my energy is not good, it kind of doesn't matter how, what, how much time I have because it's not going to be used effectively because I don't have enough uh, fuel to, to do anything. You, talk, you talked about the seven pillars of energy, and I think you mentioned a few there. So what are the seven pillars of energy? Yeah, so it's going to be we have mindset, 
and then we have um, mission, and some people call that your your purpose, or so you can use whatever word. I like mission because it feels more like a superhero. It's more like I was going to mention that. Definitely sits within the sits in the realm of the nerd kind of thinking. Yeah, I get that because I went straight there. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I I have things like your your performance. That will be number three. So your performance, mm-hmm. and this is not just work performance, but we're performers at various areas of life. Mm-hmm. So you know, some of us are fathers, and and husbands, um, leaders in the community or whatnot. So there's very various roles that we have to perform well in. Um, number four is things, what I just call your physiology. So that's where your, your sleep, your toxicities and your, a lot of your nutrition, that's the block for that. And then we are at number five. And so that's relationships. And so that's pretty self-explanatory is that, you know, relationships can be our greatest asset or they can be our biggest drainer. Mm. And then uh, number and number six is our presentation. And what I mean by that is I, I'm a big believer in posture, not just for like health reasons or biomechanical reasons, but also from an energy standpoint. I, 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 I believe that with the right posture that's for you, you're going to show up differently. And I believe there's a and people can feel that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to translate to better results in whatever that situation is uh, calling for. And then lastly, it's just environment and environment um, twofold. It can be, you know, things health related when it comes to maybe toxins in our area and everything. But then it's also kind of your your workspace, your house space. And and just is that giving you is that driving you or is that draining you that's really good i'm going to make sure they're listed in our show notes because uh, i want people to kind of think about that a little bit more the fact that you said posture in there it's wonderful because i'm a physical practitioner as well i work with people one-on-one in their physical health so i always talk about i talk about posture every day and as you were speaking i'm thinking i need to sit up in my chair here (laughs) but um it's also the word gravitas comes to mind when we talk about posture, where if somebody walks into a room with a, the kind of posture that it gives that energy, as you say, uh, you're drawn. I feel drawn to that person um, in some ways more attracted to them. And, and I don't mean that just in an intimate way, but just that they, they, they have gravitas is probably the best word I could think of for that. Um, so important posture. Yeah, um, that's the word that I was thinking of when I was kind of just doing the mind map when I was thinking about this stuff is just that it's hard to explain sometimes, but it's just like that person has it. And it's just like their posture, like the way they carry themselves. Like, cause you can kind of see when people are tense, like shoulders are very tense and that translates into so many other aspects of your life where you're just not fully optimized. listening to straight up chats with the man bits podcast what's your hot tip for a fulfilled life to simply to simply grow and evolve every day by one percent even just one percent how would you do that how would you do that um I think it first starts with yourself, so mastery of self, so knowledge of self. And um, if somebody needs, I would create a vision and an anti-vision. 
just to get you in alignment. Another superhero. <laughs> We're noticing a theme here, but but yes. So yeah. So there's the uh, the vision, and it and I have those two things because I don't want it on days where I'm filling on top of the world. I want it on days where I'm procrastinating on work mm-hmm. I need to do, or where I'm I want to cut some corners and slack. Yeah. And then I just I just have my Google document to to go to, and I see this vision, and then I see the anti vision. And nine times out of 10, I am doing a lot of the traits that I've written about in my anti-vision. And so we have to constantly remind ourselves every day of where we're going, what we want to do, or even why we want to do it. This is interesting. So I, I get what you'd put into a vision. You know, you, t- you talk about your purpose and what, how you want to impact people in, in the world and mm-hmm. so on. But what would you put into your anti-vision? My anti-vision? So I put a lot of character traits in there too. So mine's very... <laughs> Um, directionless. Another one I like. Another one I like, like is mean spirited, pessimistic, thinking small, and then I, I think I, lazy, just lazy. Um, justifying, cutting corners. So procrastinating. That's a hard one. I, that's a hard one. So I, I commit this one. So don't don't. I'm not perfect, but yeah, procrastinating is in there. Um, slow, slow actions to not being a fast action taker, because I believe that being a fast action taker is reciprocated back on the other end when you want people to take action and fast. So um, not being deliberate. And but yeah, so those are those are uh, a few of those right there. Next question is, <clears throat> what lesson have you learned since school? that perhaps should be taught in school? I think the only way I know how to call it is uh, death by a thousand cuts. Right. And yes. and basically small insignificant problems that, that seem trivial in the moment and they're easy to overlook. But when you keep overlooking them, they're quietly compounding in the background. And then at just the moment you least expect it, boom, and it just sweeps over you and just causes this huge problem. So a better picture is to think of a dam and it has a little crack in it. And then each day it goes left unaddressed. It gets a little bigger, more, 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 more water seeps. And then eventually the thing just tumbles over and you have a flood everywhere. So that's what I think about death by a thousand cuts is the biggest lesson that I've learned when it comes to that. So an example on that, do you, do you mean more for mental wellness or being organized or all of those things? Oh, okay. Um, so I, I mean, when it comes to our habits and behaviors, so I, I can make, I can make a food example. So cutting corners with your nutrition and maybe a, a insignificant habit that it doesn't seem that much, but then over time, steadily adding, I don't like to look at calories, but for the example here, we can just look at calories, um, an extra 400 calories every day or even 200 doesn't seem like much, but over a week, that's 1400. And then over two weeks, that's 2800. And then you keep going on and on. So it's just those kind of little things. And I think when it comes to success, ultimately, it's about how you handle and do those little small things that typically people overlooked. Another example, which I went straight to as you started speaking on that is sleep. So 
maybe you go, ah, oh, okay, I'm not going to get the sleep I wanted last tonight, so you know I'll get by with six hours. That's okay. I'll be fine next night. Oh, I you know managed to get six and a half, and so on and so forth. And then maybe you, you have a night of four, and so on. And it just kind of compounds. I see that how, and then all of a sudden, and I've been there, especially recently. All of a sudden, I'm my tolerance levels are lower. There's more physical pain in my body. Uh, my legs are heavy. I'm cloudy in my mind. All these things, and then suddenly I'm like, "What's wrong with me?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and you suddenly get that jaw. I got that jaw dropping moment of, "Yes, I've just not been sleeping. I need to get to sleep." And so I see what you're saying there. It can just compound very quickly. Yeah, that's a very good example right there. That's that compound interest slowly adds up. Is there a word of intention that you can use to set yourself on your path for the next twelve months? Yes, it's ruthlessly focus. I look at it every it's two day. Two words, but I'll let you off. <laughs> okay. Well, what if we hyphenate it? Yeah, that works. That makes it <laughs> makes it one word. Yeah, ruthlessly focus. I like that. So just relentless focus. Yes, yes. There, there's there's so many shiny objects, and I'm, there's so many shiny objects, and you just really need to stick with something and just let it work itself out and give it time to work. This is a good time to uh, sort of jump back in. I'd like to talk to you around structures and systems because you say that they're really important to an optimal life for health and sleep. I'd like to explore that a bit because I look around and many people sort of appear to have structures and systems in life, but they don't seem to be living a healthy life. So what does that mean to you, having structures and systems in place? Underneath structure, systems, and strategies, underneath that is basically a core philosophy that guides you. and. To expound on that is, I'll use nutrition for an example. Like I, I, I have a nutritional structure and strategy for myself, but underneath that is principles that I live by. So no matter what, so some of the, you know, a, a very simple one is I have protein with every meal, no matter what. I have seven plus servings of vegetables every day, so that's that's part of my strategy, and then I built that into my structure, and then so how can I do this? Well. I have a smoothie every morning that gets me X amount of servings already, you know, and then um, another way is for breakfast. I always have my smoothie and my oats. That's my breakfast every morning. So that's automated. So I don't even have to think about that. You know, I have my categories and it's filled up for um, for breakfast. And then when I go to lunch and for dinner, I have my template and structure that I want to hit there. And then I have a snack before I go work out, you know, um, in between lunch and dinner. So it's, and so it's organization. It's really getting organized and instilling some principles that you need to do to stay consistent with, with your health, with your fitness, with your business, with your relationships. And when you do this, because this is this sounds like a very left brain approach to things, so a very organized, detailed <laughs> approach, which I absolutely love. But if somebody's not a left brainer, let's say, do you write it down? How do you stay organized with it? Yeah, so I like writing my stuff down because um, I'm I'm on a I'm on a specific training phase right now, so I need to make sure that I'm hitting certain benchmarks and stuff. Typically, I do not like count calories or, or any of that. I don't really recommend it that much for clients, except at the beginning. And it's mainly 
to build awareness because a lot of times we're not even aware of how much we're actually eating, uh, you know, snacks here and there quickly adds up, you know, and, and for those people who, who like a little more flexibility, I, most people actually like more flexibility, you know, so that's why there's like, I have like, there's like a list of like proteins that you can just choose from. And it's like playing a video game or playing Tetris where you have a protein block. I need to pick some kind of protein. You check that off. There's some kind of carbohydrate and then there's a vegetable as well. I need to check that off. So you pick one of those from the categories, whatever you like. Same thing with your fats and you, you just uh, fill it in that way. So I, I, I don't necessarily tell people you must eat this. So it's more like a guide. I'm more a guide because I learned this early in my coaching career that when I told people you should do this, which is a very dirty word that nobody likes to hear you should because <laughs> i think we're all yeah shitting yourself yeah, yeah. so never say you should and and kind of make people feel like they're in control so i'm just I, i'm just here for a guide and it's just worked out better that way but um but yeah it's just a general structure and then you can mold it to your liking i see and so having then having a system with that structure might be something like using google docs to capture everything and uh, certain calendars, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I love Google Docs, and there's a really cool website called Chronometer. Okay, which is which is what I usually recommend people, and you can put all your food in there, and you're going to see all the vitamins, all the minerals that you're eating for the day, and it's really cool because you can see like, oh wow, I I eat predominantly this type of food, and I'm not getting this kind of vitamin. Maybe this is why I feel tired or, you know, maybe why this is why I have this issue. Maybe so. And that, you know, because I my philosophy on eating is to eat a diverse diet. I would eat from uh, from feet to to head, you know, all around because um, I think it's a very diverse. Diversity is our friend. I think all the food was here here for a purpose and each has its own unique set of vitamins and minerals. And so um, that's a very great educational tool for people who just want to take the first step, just who are curious about how you eat. And you got to be honest with yourself, though. How do you set yourself up for success in goal setting? I mean, how do you manage your goal setting across not just food, but everywhere? Yeah. So I, um, you know, probably to no surprise, I have some Google Docs <laughs> and yeah, and I, I have my I have my yearly goal you know, that I probably review maybe a few times a week, but then I have it broken down into things I must do for January since that's the month we're in right now. And then things I want for this week. And then I, and then I, before I go to sleep every night, I set up my next day in terms of what I want to do. Now it's, I'm not married to it. You know, I, I'm very rigid on my vision but I'm very flexible on the details. So this is more like a guideline to give me some sense of direction. And then as you go along, I can kind of see what's working and what's not and make adjustments based on that. But I at least have some sort of plan that helps me, that's keeping me moving forward. That's a great point there about just staying really fixed on the vision. And the goals will sort of find their way, I find. If you're flexible about how are you going to achieve? Because sometimes you have a vision that's bigger than you, right? So you don't know if you're actually going to, 
don't know how you're going to get there at this early stage. It seems that things manifest when we stay focused on the bigger picture. Yeah, I think you stay you stay focused on the bigger picture, and then you take some kind of action, just some type of action. And I think you just get rewarded by the universe. I, I just it just seems that way because there's a lot of situations where I had no idea how I'm going to do something, but I set the intention and I took some action, even if it was the complete wrong action. You know, it's still feedback at the end of the day. But then I then I discover what I don't know. And therefore, I could actually go seek out this, these precise information that I need instead of just accumulating all of this information that wasn't even useful. Yeah, and sometimes you look f- back over, say, f- years even, and you say, back then when I was doing that thing that I was hating at the time, I don't know why I was doing it, but now I look back, I see that there was actually a reason for it. And so sometimes you can't see why you're doing something, why you're achieving certain goals at the, in the short term, but it, they may all feed into that bigger vision, it seems. I can think of that so many times where, like, this doesn't really make sense, but... A year later, you can just be walking and you'll have that epiphany like, oh, I'm really glad that this perceived crappy event two years ago happened because now like this is nothing compared to that event that I went through and overcame. So I'm, I'm good. As we get a little closer to the end, uh, there's one sort of question I want to ask you around mindset shift and that kind of thing. Um, but before we do that, how can the people listening connect with you? Because if you're a sleep consultant and uh, mainly nutrition and sleep, is that right? That's sort of man- mainly what you focus on. Yeah, yeah, it's mainly those two things. And then, of course, through throughout the thing, um, we have to take care of a lot of other things. But mainly, sleep and nutrition is my wheelhouse. Got it, got it. So, how can people find you? Yeah, you can just go to my home base of theartoffitnessinlife.com and you'll see everything there. There's a free video that you can watch and I, I tell you about a lot of things that are costing you energy and simple ways to that you can get energy and it's very practical um, tips because it doesn't have to be complicated. Are you on social media? I assume you are. Yeah, I'm on social media, but I'm very inconsistent. So uh-huh. I, 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 yeah, so <laughs> I am on there though. Uh, I think I'm going to tr- commit to trying to use Instagram. Uh, I'm not. I don't really understand social media that much. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm going to use. I'm going to use Instagram. So uh, I think my Instagram handle is Julian Hayes II, and they did that because um, I'm the second, but they don't really have the Roman numeral eyes, so they just gave me small II. So. <laughs> nice. it's uh it's a it's an unknown beast i think social media and i'm not i'll try not to go on to a rant on social media about social media but it's it is such an odd thing it's a wonderful thing in many ways but it's such a very odd thing in the way that people grow their social media and so on so yeah i'm much similar i'm a bit inconsistent with it yeah it's it's a necessary evil in many ways i think yeah i i guess it's i have to find a way to use it that where i enjoy a lot of times in the past i think i was i might have read some article or listened to someone about how to use social media and i tried it and i'm like oh my god this is exhausting i i can't do this and so i i think um limiting my time on there is a big thing and uh and so i'll be happy because i like to spend most of my time just reading and um kind of figuring out how i can create a better experience for uh clients in the future and and how can I add value? I just think I'm better at that than probably being a influencer. 
of course, the other option is you do a Gary V and have a camera crew follow you around and just vlog your life. It would be people would be so bored. I think if they <laughs> they might get a look. They, so they were like, "Wow, this guy just sits in front of a computer. He's reading another paper. He's reading another paper. <laughs> he's reading another lecture. Oh, he has another book here. Uh, oh, he's writing now." And then maybe sporadically, they're like, "Oh, he actually went out. He went to um, he went to salsa. So he, he does salsa sometimes. So he's trying to learn how to salsa." So, but, um, but yeah, but yeah, it would be really boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you do salsa. That's awesome. So I'm a salsa teacher. My wife and I are teachers over here in, in Australia. Yeah. It's great fun. Yes, it is. Uh, that got me out of my comfort zone. I was a wallflower for most of my life and I wanted to have a way to work on my social skills and also it's just cool to learn how to dance. So it's uh, it's slowly coming along. I'm, I'm getting more and more comfortable with it. You know what you mentioned earlier about being a nerd and liking superheroes and what have you. And, you know, I, I love that. And the fact that you're doing salsa is everywhere I've gone, every community I've danced with, every lesson I've taught, there's always people in that lesson who would never have gone out and done something different or new, or maybe they wouldn't have made friends I would never have known. But it was salsa and it was dance that brought us together because there's, people come to it from so many different walks of life. It just lifts the social skills, lifts the confidence. There's people who have gotten together through salsa, gotten married, and who you would never put together. And it was dance that did that, and I love it. Yeah, I've never seen the the thing. I'm I'm always amazed with like the energy is always so positive. I've never met anyone that's just down or really negative at a salsa event. I'm just like, wow, this is just amazing. Like everyone's just really nice and 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 polite. And because I was super nervous, like learning the steps because the guy has to lead. And I think at first you could tell in my head, I was counting in my head. I was like, one, two, three, five, six, seven. And so I was counting in my head. I was very robotic. <laughs> and so, but the, I had I had my moment when people were when I had some friends, they're like, wow, I never thought of all people, you would know how to have a rhythm salsa now. And so I'm like, that's all I needed to hear. And so I'm only going to get better from here on out. But I definitely recommend things like that to, it's good activity, one. And it's also just a way to get out and, and, and be in a positive environment and communicate. And so that's my strategy when I'm traveling is I'm going to, you can salsa dance anywhere in the world. And so that's a way that I'm going to be able to make friends wherever I go is um, I'm just going to see where people are dancing. Yeah, I love it for that. You can go to practically any country and find a salsa social dance or somewhere or a club or a dance lesson, yeah, definitely. And also, yeah, as you say, it's uh, the, when you mentioned rhythm there, it really gets you in touch with your body because you really start to connect with how the music feels. And uh, yeah, at first, it's all counting, it's all numbers. <laughs> you know, you, I remember my first six months, I didn't ask, I never asked anyone to dance because I had no confidence in myself and I only knew two moves. And I thought, who's going to want to spend three, four minutes with me just doing <laughs> one move? That's moves. what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. So what I did instead was I had about three moves that I'm good with. So I will wait till about a fourth of the song passes or it's halfway there. I can estimate it to the best of my ability. And then I would see who I can go ask. And therefore, it can, I can be like, oh, the song just ran out. You know, we were, we were having a good time. But 
That's a good tactic. It's a good tactic. But uh, I'm not sure how far you are through the journey, but let me reassure you that once you sort of get that, you know, plethora of uh, of, of moves and, and everything, it's it opens up another world. But also, it's not always, as I, as I found out, it's not always the moves you do. It's the way you make your partner feel. And that's the most important thing. So, yes. So I'm still early on my journey. So, but I will remember that, you know, about long as the partner's having a good time, I've done, I've done the job. I know we were enough tangent there. I just really want to quickly ask you about changing mindset because uh, I see a lot of examples of uh, low self-esteem, energy and health. I've been there before myself. As an example, to shift from having low self-esteem, low confidence, low energy or low health to go to high energy, productivity and let's say optimal performance, that's got to be a complete paradigm shift of, of mindset. So is there kind of one or two fundamental steps someone could take just to start to make that change? Yeah, so this is, I'll, I'll use a personal example. And so I started salsa dancing right after I was finishing up therapy. And so, and that was a way for me to integrate back out, but it was also a way for me to get confidence in myself to prove that I could do something. And what I did, my first lesson I went to, I told myself, you go in there for seven minutes, and if seven minutes you feel like crap, you can leave, but it's still a success. And so what that meant to me on a, on a bigger picture is when we're trying to change, you know, whether it's with our health, whether it's with our, our, our business, our relationships, it's important to just get started with that momentum. So you know the intention that you want to do what's the smallest step that you can take right now but will still create some kind of impact toward that goal and that's what you do so if it's for with your nutrition and you're learning how to eat how about you just eat a couple pieces of fruit a day or even a piece of fruit just see where you start and just add something to get you going if you're looking for activity just start walking just walk and start there and then gradually build up you don't have to start with CrossFit or, or any, or any of that sort. Yeah. You know, and so it's just start super small, so small that it doesn't, it feels like you're doing nothing, absolutely nothing, Yeah. but you are doing something, you know, you're, you're planting that new seed in your mind. You know, you're performing some mental alchemy as I like to call it. And you're, you're changing your paradigm, whether you realize it or not, because it, it's first going to start internal. Great answer. And I like that because you say, you know, just put in small things, but sometimes I bet, I mean, I bet you stayed longer than seven minutes. I'd be surprised if you didn't, but. Yeah. I stayed the whole 60 minutes. Yeah, that's right. I stayed the, yeah, I, yeah, I stayed the whole 60 minutes because a lot of times the biggest barrier is the stories we're telling ourselves. Mm. And those stories, those stories are a liar or a liar because when I walked in there, I was like, man, they're going to make fun of it. Like, who's this athlete looking dude walking in here and. He doesn't know how to step. He looks like he's in a marching band instead of salsa. And they're, they're going to make fun of me when I leave and everything. So it's all these stories I told myself. And when I got in there, they were the nicest people. And it's, that's going to happen at the gym too. The gym can be intimidating to certain people. I get that. But it's also filled with a lot of people who have most likely been in your same shoes at an earlier juncture. And so if anything... They're going to be meeting you with, with compassion and a lot of times to help. 
you know, and it's motivating when I see someone that's new at the gym and I, I see them busting their butt or just even getting started. That is super motivating. And so you're probably affecting them more than you even realize and the people around you. Julian, it's been a great pleasure to have this conversation today. And being that it's my birthday and this is my first conversation of the day, it's been a wonderful start to the day. I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you, man. I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that, man. It's, it's been a pleasure being on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Julian Hayes II. It was an absolute pleasure. You can check out his web... You can check... You can check out Julian's website, theartoffitnessandlife.com. He also features in our Udemy course. You can see the full video of our conversation in that course by going to udemy.com and searching for Optimal Living, and you'll see our course there. It's on a massive discount at the moment, so if you want to jump in and get tons of content around living the optimal life, time management, goal setting, creating great habits, that's the course for you check it out. Thanks for listening. Next week, I bring to you Corey Haig. We talk about the secret art of breaking up. Ciao for now.